You're listening to the CIPD podcast, Talent Management. Hello and welcome to the fourth CIPD podcast from the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development. I'm Rajan Datar and in this podcast we'll be taking a look at talent management. Don't forget you can find out more about the issues raised in the podcast at www.cipd.co.uk forward slash podcasts, where you can also find the other podcasts in the series and sign up to receive future editions. Since McKinsey first coined the expression, the war for talent, the term talent management has been increasingly common in the world of human resources. It was at the top of many HR directors' New Year lists of priorities. But what do we actually mean by talent management and how is this reflected by activity in the workplace? We sent Philippa Lamb to talk to Tim Richardson, Head of Leadership Development and Talent Management at PricewaterhouseCoopers, to find out more about how PwC, a huge global organisation employing over 140,000 people in 149 countries, approaches talent management. She asked why, for his organisation, talent management is so crucial. Talent management is really important right now because uh, we live in a very fast-moving world. And the demand for skills, the demand for knowledge, and importantly in in our business, in PwC, the demand for people who can apply knowledge is paramount. It defines our success going forward. Clearly, talent management is an important issue for PwC, but they're certainly not alone. Victoria Winkler, Learning and Development Advisor at the CIPD, is leading their research in this area. We asked her what's pushed talent management to the top of the agenda. I think lots of things coming together at the same time. A real growing awareness actually within organisations that people are their competitive advantage, often said, but really people acting on that a lot more now. And also external factors, skills shortages, a lot more mobility in the labour market. So people really accepting the fact that they're going to be moving around a lot more, perhaps not in a job for life. Um, Issues to do with demographics, we've got an ageing workforce, we're going to be losing a lot of people out of the workforce. Um, So it's really important that people can identify who the key talent is within their organisation and how they're going to manage to hang on to it, quite frankly. Victoria Winkler. So what does this actually mean in practice? Philippa asked Tim Richardson. So are you looking for the next generation of partners? We are looking for the next generation of partners um, and that's what, what creates sustainability for our business. We also need to keep people who aren't necessarily on partner track really inspired and stretched in our business. We're doing a lot of work around interesting careers, so not quite sideways moves, but you know, a lot of rotation around roles, a lot of stimulus around cycles of experience, as we call it because it's fundamental that, uh, that they are really motivated and inspired to, to work well with our clients. And we know that because we train an awful lot of accountants and we have a big brand, that many of our people are very marketable. And so retaining them is crucial. So for the people you identify as valuable talent, it's not necessarily about having them climb ladders. It's about keeping them creative, energised, excited about being with PwC. Absolutely right, absolutely right. We live or die on people's... Uh, motivation and their energy and um, their ability to relate to clients in a really sort of um, in a very articulate in, in this complex world that we live absolutely 
Marcus Buckingham was one of the keynote speakers at the CIPD annual conference. He spent 17 years with the Gallup organisation, helping to lead research into the world's best leaders, managers and workplaces before striking out on his own. He shared his thoughts on talent with us. The definition of talent that I'm using is any recurring pattern of thought or feeling or behaviour is a talent. So if you're empathetic, it's a talent. If you're focused, it's a talent. If you're impatient, it's a talent. If you're confrontative, it's a talent. Impatience is a talent because you can use it productively. It means that you have a bias for action. Now, talents are value neutral. Hitler was impatient, but so was Gandhi. So people have talents that they could use for good. People have talents they can use for ill. But no one is talentless. The challenge for most of us is knowing what they are and secondly, taking it upon ourselves to figure out how to use them. A fairly broad definition of talent there from Marcus, and not one everyone would subscribe to. Do share your thoughts with us at www.cipd.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Philippa asked him to explain more about the talent management initiatives his organisation have in place. So, in practical terms, once someone has been identified as you know, a key future potential talent, what happens next? Practically, um, a range of things. I mean, we've got a, an active pipeline management uh, going on. So we're looking at and tracking them through their career from a manager through to senior manager, director and partner. We're looking to try and accelerate people quickly. So we do offer benchmarking opportunities, benchmarking events, development centres where people can test themselves against our capabilities that we're looking for, get feedback and really work on key development plans. We've also got some emerging leader programs that we're running both in the UK and indeed around the world where we're trying to create networks of emerging leaders, which is what we're looking for in the future. Tim Richardson. In practice, as most organisations pursuing a talent management agenda will know, it's impossible to earmark everyone for future success. We asked Victoria Winkler how organisations are managing this side of the story. A phrase that you'll hear quite a lot is something along the lines of a difficult conversation. It's sort of a, a buzzword that's going around. Issues like this aren't going to be easy to deal with. Um, and even having conversations with people who've perhaps been identified as having high potential but don't live up to that potential or aren't going quite along the lines that one would hope that they would do. There are definitely issues there and I think it's about HR very much working with the line to try and equip them as best as possible to have these difficult one-to-one -one conversations. That's quite a tough proposition for HR people, isn't it? It is quite a tough proposition, and I think particularly when it's not likely to be HR that are running the majority of those conversations. They're putting their faith, so to speak, in the line manager. Yeah, which again reinforces the point that introducing talent management as a strategy into an organisation involves a lot of training, doesn't it, right across the board and at all sorts of levels that aren't immediately apparent. Well, I think that's the thing. I mean, it's very unlikely that any one person will own it. I mean, one of the quotes you'll hear sort of bandied around are things like, well, talent management's too important to be left to HR. It should, you know, it needs to be CEO-driven and so forth. But actually, it needs to be a combination of stakeholders. The CIPD podcast on talent management. Vicky Wright, the new CIPD president, talked to us about how the talent management agenda is driving organisations to look to a more diverse workforce to ensure they're equipped to achieve their objectives. There is a major demand at the top of organisations for new leaders um, and that is something that is taking a lot of HR professionals' time. But that's only part of the story. 
talent management lower down is becoming a completely different game from the old bit of training, bit of learning, a bit of management development. And that's because we actually have a much, much more diverse workforce in organisations at lower levels. And therefore, the old idea that it was easy to spot talent, you know, like talk about 1970s, they were men, um, they were graduates, they were likely to stay in the organisation forever. I'm finding that a lot of HR people are having to say, well, we are challenging people about the stereotype of who's going to be a manager in this organisation in the future or who are going to be our customer service people. And those people aren't necessarily the people you understood. Philippa talked to Tim Richardson about what shifting demographics, or grey power, means to PwC's talent management strategy. There's been so much coverage lately about the question of an ageing workforce. How does that marry with talent management? Can older recruits be talent? Well, I hope so, as one myself. (laughs) Having joined PwC six years ago myself, very much so. The assumption that we have to challenge is that we're only looking for young people coming through. But in our business, we have to bring in skills where we don't have them. And oft times that... That is in the shape of people who've got breadth of experience and real, uh, real wisdom. So indeed, they may be 40, 45, 50, who knows? Philippa also met up with Sue Newell, who was until recently Portfolio Manager, NHS Talent Management, and with Bruce Robertson, Director of HR, ITV Production, Imagine and ITV Worldwide, about talent management in their organisations. She kicked off by asking Sue whether the talent management challenges facing the NHS are any different to those facing private sector firms. How does it work in the NHS talent management? Um, In a very similar way. I mean, I think the refreshing thing is that the private sector and the public sector are using the same language. We're both looking at the same issues. How do we identify talent? How do we track it, develop it, etc., and retain it? You know, the challenges are really, I suppose, for us, the complexity of the organisation. Um, the size of the organisation. You're a yes. massive employer. Uh, yes, it's, I mean, there's 1.3 million, I think, in the NHS, something along those lines. So, I mean, there's been no um, systematic approach in the NHS. So it's getting people to think differently and saying what's worked in the past is not going to work in the future. So we've created some infrastructure and processes. It's a very, very, um, I won't say rudimentary, but an early start. Uh, I think we describe ourselves as being in the foothills of a solution <laughs> rather than, uh, you know, sort of any way down the road. Um, but I think the complexity is creating something that can be used corporately but then customised at a local level so it works for all the independent organisations that actually make up the NHS. So how do you go about identifying talent and I'm not talking about the big household name type talent but talent in different areas of your business. It's not something that I think uh, we would say we have an A plus on at the moment we are introducing a new role to ITV Productions called well talent manager. Uh, originally enough Um, and that person's responsibility is to tap into a network of talent across the industry but also to look at high potential within ITV and groom them and mentor them and coach them provide a relevant number of training so keeping a track of people who are in ITV but then leave ITV and so we want to make sure that you know once they've got a certain level of skills that we bring them back to ITV it's kind of like a friend reunited internal 
database, if you like. It's interesting you say you're, you're slightly formalising the, the talent spotting and managing end of it, because obviously, I mean, the floor does lie on the fact that you might have great producers or fantastic editors, but their capacity to spot and nurture talent isn't necessarily one of their skills, is it? It should be, but it's more a time thing. I mean, uh, because they come in for a production, a specific production, therefore a specific period of contract, and the practical side of delivering and developing um, is quite difficult to fulfil during a specific contract, which is why we wanted to bring in the talent manager. That's a really interesting point, and it's it's quite specific to your business, but I suppose it does apply to many other sectors as well, this idea that you are managing people on short contract, huge numbers of people who only come in to do a specific project, and they're gone. How, lo- how long do most people stay with you? How long are your contract lengths? There can be anything from eight weeks to 12 weeks. It's not long at all. I think the, the biggest challenge is really a logistical one. I mean, you have 3,000 uh, people working on short-term contracts. Um, some of them, if it's a long-running series like Coronation Street or Airline, then it will be for much longer. But again, it's not healthy for them to stay in the one position on that programme for too long because then they're not getting exposure or experience from working in an entertainment show versus a factual show. So what we're trying to do is to bring a bit more structure to giving them those opportunities. So you've got a real challenge on your hands in the, sh- in the sense that you've got great people coming in. Obviously, lots of people want to work for you. The best people will come to you. But you've got a very small opportunity to actually spot them, grab them, keep them on board or at least bring them back. I think the key thing, and this is with any talent management in any company, is your culture has to be something that people want to be part of. And particularly in an industry like the production industry, where there's a lot of competition, we have to be a destination of choice. Adrian Morehouse, former Olympic swimming champion and now managing director of Lane 4, agrees that the culture and values of an organisation are increasingly important in recruiting and retaining people. Do you see that a lot, the, that the desires that people have around their work... Are changing as you say it's not just about paying the bills it's about a lot more intangible things around success and fulfillment absolutely i see that a lot it's happening more and more and it's almost like some organizations it will come up and hit them on the back of the head and they will not have got stayed on the pace but some organizations will evolve with it but i think what's happening now is that organizations realizing that the the only way to 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 make the business perform and sustain it is to humanize the business in a lot of ways and that's where i've seen a shift and even in 12 years i think that right now you've got these generations of people who just want a fulfilling job for an organization that does good work and also has something to contribute to society because that's a generational need and i think that it's all connected to this evolution of being a human business so you don't feel this this much publicised CSR commitment to the wider community and society is is a is a PR thing, a, a niche thing. You feel it's something a trend that really will run throughout businesses of all sorts because that's how they will engage their people. Absolutely, I, I do believe. Yeah, particularly meeting the needs of people to the contribution to wider communities is very important now. Um, matching the motivations and dreams and goals and aspirations of an individual with the motivations and goals and dreams of the organisation. When you get those closely aligned, then you've got, I think, a very motivated group of people because it's not work, it's life. That was Adrian Morehouse. Philippa talked to Victoria Winkler about what CIPD research has revealed about talent management within UK organisations. She gave us the lowdown on the key questions that organisations setting out to develop a talent management strategy need to focus on. We asked people about their talent management strategies in this year's Learning and Development Survey. One of the things that came out was that although 56% of organisations said they were doing something, only 38% of those actually had a formal strategy, so really knew what they were trying to achieve and how they were going to go about doing it. So for organisations that are just in the early stages of getting to grips with talent management and trying to implement it within their own 
ranks. What would you say are the key considerations for them to start really thinking about? I think one of the key considerations is really sitting down and thinking, well, what does talent mean? For different organisations, it's going to be different things. Could it be the key operational roles? Could it be the key technical roles? I'm really trying to articulate what you want to achieve from your talent management strategy. Obviously, how you're going to go about it, but also how you're going to measure the success of it. How will you know if what you're doing feels right, looks right, and is achieving the right objectives? There are some good pointers there for anyone setting out to develop a talent management strategy. There are plenty more resources and details of the current CIPD research into talent management available on the CIPD website. You can find out more at www.cipd.co.uk/podcasts. That's the last in this trial series of four CIPD podcasts. If you've missed any, they are all still available on the website. You can also sign up to receive future editions there. We've had such good feedback about the podcast so far that we hope to make an announcement about the launch of a regular series very soon. We'd love to hear your views on subjects you think we should cover in future podcasts, or about anything you've heard in this one. You can share your thoughts with us by emailing us at podcast at cipd.co.uk or by visiting www.cipd.co.uk/podcasts. For now, though, thanks for listening and goodbye.